Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us how God formed things in creation. This message and previous messages are available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from yesterday's message. That's why God created the light, to teach us about the real light. The most important thing that we have to understand in life, who is the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the greatest achievement. It's right for the ministers of the Word of God to hope that they'll be fed, that they'll be taken care of by those they are doing the, that there's they're ministering to. See, that's right. And Paul said that's right. It's a good thing. Now here's Tom Cantor with our Tuesday Genesis series message. Why did God do that? It's okay to have an answer. I don't know. That's okay. But ask. Because Rabbi God wants questions. He wants those kind of questions because he is teaching us something. He's teaching us as his children. So he creates the light. And he creates the darkness. And we saw that. And who, and, 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 and so if we think about that, we ask the question, oh, if God lives in heaven, it's a place of light. It's a place of no darkness. And the devil lives in hell. It's a place of darkness. It's a place where there's no light. Why do we live on earth where there's a mixture of the two? There's a, like, there's, there's a mixture of light and darkness. Something's very good. Something's very bad. Why do we do that? Why are we sort of suspended between heaven and hell in this place called earth where there is a combination of light and darkness? Good. So, question. Answer. Because God set the earth up as a place purposefully between heaven and hell. He set the earth up as a place purposefully of a place where there would be light and darkness. So that each person on this earth, he could see as he puts them, puts each person on this earth and he could see what will each person choose. This is a place of choice. When God made man in his image, that means that God gave to each man choice. God gave to everyone the power to choose. He crowned him the sovereign God, crowned each man with the sovereignty of choice. And he could see if each man is going to choose light or darkness, heaven, hell, life, death. And he gives to man this power to choose. And then he honors the choice that man has made. You know, you see that? We see that in Genesis 2 9. You might want to just. Genesis 2.19, 2.19. This verse says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed. He yatsard. He squeezed into shape every beast of the field and every fowl and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. What words in this verse show us that God is giving man a choice? That he's going to honor man's choice? It's right there. 
very significant words in this verse. If you are into underlining the Bible, then here's some words you want to underline. I'm not into underlining the Bible, my Bible, but nevertheless, if you like to, go ahead. Under- God formed Yatsar. He squeezed it like a potter. He squeezed that, that, that just right. He got it just right, just like a potter does. And then when it was afterward, he went, Mwah! like that. And he said, Metzion, Yofi, this is perfect. He did that with every beast and every fowl. And what do we do as scientists? I'm a scientist. What do we do as scientists? We study. I study the biochemistry of these things. And I do. And sometimes I just want to go, it was a great job you did. Because he, he got it just right. Second, he brought these animals to Adam. And why did God bring every beast and every fowl that he had made to Adam? Because it says he wanted to see what he would call them. That's amazing. God's the Yatsar parter. He's the one who's the creator. He should be the one to name it. But he made man kind of like a partner with him. And so he says to man, okay, I know I made it. You name it. I mean, these were perfectly created animals. Adam, I hope you're up to the job here. You better come up with some perfect names. Can you imagine this? These are God's creations. God has let man now do the naming. Because it says God wanted to see. God had wanted to ra'ar. He wanted to see. He wanted to enjoy. He wanted to enjoy what man would call them. God was really interested in man's choices and what he would make. Think about that next time you pray to God. That God is, is ra'ar. He wants to enjoy what you're going to say to him in prayer. What words are you going to use? Because that's of great interest to God. Just like God was interested in the names that Adam was going to choose, God is very interested to see the words that you're going to choose in prayer. We should think when we pray. We should not use these heartless, dead repetitions that he told us not to do when we pray. God listens to us praying, and it shouldn't be that God should say to himself, oh, another religious cliche? I think that's number 132. No, we shouldn't put God through that. He wanted to see what Adam would choose for the names, and he wants to see what we choose to pray for, and how we pray for, and what words that we're going to speak. What are our requests? You think this verse indicates that those animal names were predestined before Adam was created? You think that this verse is indicating that those animal names were elected by God from the foundation of the world and that Adam had this irresistible urge to name those animals what, that, what God had already predestined them to be named? Not at all! That's not the way the verse is reading. The verse is reading that, Adam, it's totally your choice, 100%. Your choice, Adam. I'm kind of, and God's saying, I'm kind of enjoying what you're going to name them. And then it says, fourth, whatsoever Adam called them every living creature, that was the name thereof. That means that God honored Adam's choice. And so angels also, they were probably watching it to find out, I wonder what Adam's going to name this animal. And he starts off strong, and, and Adam does, and he, the big, big animal comes along, and, and God brings a big animal and said, okay, Adam, what's the name of this one? And Adam says, hippopotamus. And God says, okay, hippopotamus it is. And God brings another animal, and, and Adam says, what's this one, Adam? He goes, horse. Well, God didn't say something like, Adam, 
Maybe we should slow down a little bit. Uh, I wanted to show you a little bit about this animal. I mean, uh, you know, he, he pumps blood every, from his feet when he runs. I mean, it's a, it's a horse, horse Adam. I mean, do you want to reconsider? He didn't do that. God didn't do that. God said, I gave Adam the choice. I told Adam, Adam, you make the choice, and it's going to be your choice, and whatever you choose, that's it. It sticks. That's what God did. God brought a small insect with wings, and Adam said, fly. And the angels might have said, fly. Can he do better than that? Fly? And God said, that's Adam's choice. It's fly it is. And the fish was waiting along, and he says, oh, great. What's my name going to be? Swim? So, but the point is, is that God gave to Adam the choice to name the animals, and then God honored his choice. It wasn't a game. It wasn't a game where, where God said, Adam, you decide, but really God had already decided, and it was predestined and pre and, and Adam had this irresistible urge to, it wasn't that way at all. God was good and transparent. What he said to Adam, he meant. When he told Adam, you have 100% choice in this matter, he did. And he honored that choice. When God presents the gospel to any lost sinner and says, it is your choice. You can go to heaven. It's your choice. He means it. He has given to that person the power to choose. There's none of this, 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 this God is, is predestinating the sinners to hell. These sinners are already going to hell. It's been defi- decided long before he was born. He can do nothing about it. He won't get the, but we'll just tell him that, oh yeah, but you can go to heaven. You can go to heaven if you just choose. But all the while we know he's not. That's not true. That's like picturing God saying to a paraplegic, if you can just climb up this staircase, you go to heaven knowing full well that he can't do it. That's not it. God gives choice and God gives choice and it is man's choice and God honors choice just as in the naming of the animals. So number one, God looks at each individual man as he goes about his individual life on earth this life where he is in the middle of light and darkness. Number two, God asks the question, will this man choose darkness or light? Will this man look at his own life and say, you know, my sin, it's not so bad. I'm not that bad. I mean, I've never murdered. I've never committed adultery. I've had a few mistakes in life. Like everyone else, I'm just human. God looks And when he sees a person take that position on the sinners of his life, number three, God writes down darkness, darkness. That person has chosen darkness as opposed to a person who looks at their lives and says, oh, I'm a sinner. I really am a sinner. Oh, God, have mercy on me. I'm a lost sinner. God says, write down light, light. See, when you look at Luke 18, 9 through 14, you see this so dramatic, this, this, this contrast. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous. See, they were trusting in themselves that they were righteous. Let me tell you, that's what the Bible calls darkness. And so they were trusting in themselves that they were righteous, and it says, and despised others. And then he said, two men went up into the temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee, the other was a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. 
God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this publican. I fast twice in the day. I give tithes of all that I possess. Then the Lord Jesus Christ went on to say, and the publican, standing afar off, would not so much as his uh, uh, lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a lost sinner. I, the Lord said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. See? Two men, he said, went to pray. Two men with two opposite decisions. Two men with two opposite decisions about how they saw themselves before God. One decides that God should be impressed with him. He has exalted himself over the others with words like, I am not like him. That Pharisee thinks, if I am not a sinner, in fact, I'm a righteous person, what do I need a Savior for? I don't need the Lord Jesus Christ to die for my sins. I don't need anybody to die for my sins. I don't have any sins. They're not bad enough for anybody to die for. That Pharisee has decided that he is righteous before God. God looked, God saw, God wrote down, that Pharisee chose darkness. Just like with the animals with Adam. God brought the animals to Adam, see what he would name them. God brought that Pharisee into the world of light and darkness. Pharisee chose darkness of saying that he was a sinner, not, there was not a sinner, not in need of a savior. So when the Pharisee was presented with God's salvation light, when the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, came into this world, he loved darkness rather than light because his deeds were evil. And God wrote down, his decision was darkness. On the other hand, it happened. Look at this publican. He says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. He says, I'm a sinner. He says, I deserve hell. He says, everything that that Pharisee said he was not, I am. Color me the adulterer, the sinner. I am the sinner before God. Just as God brought the animals to Adam to see what he would name them, so God brought this publican into the world of his world, his filtering world of light and darkness. And that publican, he chose light by saying, I'm a sinner before God. I am in great need of a Savior. When he was presented with God's salvation, when the light of God's salvation came into this world, he loved light rather than darkness. And God wrote that decision down, light, and saved him, justified him. Whatsoever Adam called every creature, that was the name thereof. God honors the decision that man makes. Today, Tom, you said that God honors the decisions that man makes. Many of our listeners will be probably very interested to know, how does a Jewish person like yourself come to make a decision to choose light in the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, how did that happen for you? Well, you know, there's, a, there's, an, uh, there's an old joke, and it says, there's a light inside every Jewish grave. It's an Israelite. But uh, that's not actually true. And the reality is, is that I was very much in darkness. I was in the darkness of having a religion, but not having a relationship 
with God. I was in the darkness of 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 having committed sins and suffering from the effects of those sins, which in my case left me with a deep sense that I was dirty, that I was defiled, that I was unclean inside and having absolutely no clue how to get clean. I thought I maybe I have to adopt some kind of religious custom. I didn't know what to do. It was so frustrating. It went on for years and it just haunted me and haunted me. The sins that I had committed and the memories of them with women in in uh, in Europe had just 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 brought me down to the mat. And I remember as a as a young high school kid, and I was in uh, going to school in Switzerland at the time, and spending two hours in the shower just trying to scrub those sins out off of me, and I couldn't get to the inside. As a, I could, it, it, you could, I could clean myself skin deep, but that was about it. I just couldn't get clean. And so I I thought to myself, where is the place of cleansing? How can I get clean? How can I be rid of of, of this feeling of guilt and shame? And so I I gave myself to studies. And I got deeply uh, involved in science and, 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 and education. And they, and, and yet, as I did, the thoughts of what I'd done in the past resurfaced, and every time they did, I felt horrible inside, and the old shame, the old guilt, the old feeling of dirtiness just plagued me and haunted me. And then I, I, I decided, well, maybe if I get a good girlfriend, a good clean girlfriend from the 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 from Ohio, you know, in the middle of the wheat fields there of Ohio, not in those dirty, smoggy place of Los Angeles, and, and maybe that'll help. And so I was at uh, Miami University, and they had a undergraduate library there, and and one night I decided to go there and look for a girlfriend, and they had in the basement listening booths, and where you could tell the attendant that you wanted to listen to this record album or that record album, and he would make the music go into that room, and there was one chair in the room, and so, but all these rooms had these doors on them, and the doors had windows on them, and so I would walk down that aisle there with those windows and look in the windows and I saw a beautiful girl in there. Blonde hair, blue eyes. She's my wife today, 42 years. But I knock on that door and and uh, that began the beginning of a relationship that, that uh, we got married. Uh, but all through the relationship and even in the early days of our marriage, those memories, those secret sins of the past kept floating to the surface of my mind. And as they did, they brought up the filth and the scum of shame and defilement. And I was so discouraged, so cast down, talked to no one at all about it. And that was the driving force within me that caused me to to search, where can I find help? And I decided, Maybe God. I don't know him. I've never learned about him. He and I are far from being on talking terms, but maybe God. And so I'd I'd heard people talk. You find God in the Bible. So I got a Bible, and I started to plow through that book, and I tried to do what I needed to do, and 
I thought, well, I got to pray. I see everybody praying. I got to pray. So I just opened up the Bible and I closed my eyes and I said, oh God, if there is a God, help me. And then I started and I started reading and reading. And when I got to Matthew chapter 15, where I read the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he said, out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts. These defile the man. And he mentioned adultery and fornication. When I read those words, I closed the book and I said, he knows me. He knows me. And then I read more and more and more voraciously because I was looking for the answers. And I saw that John the Baptist in John 1.29, when he saw him, said, Behold, the Lamb of God, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he called him the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm not out to save the world, and I don't know about the world, but if he can take the sin of Tom Cantor away, I'll get right in line. And I read how he was the Lamb of God, and I went and read about the Passover, and I thought to myself, what does that mean? When I see the blood, I'll pass over you, or I'll spare you from the judgment. And so I continued to press on and thinking about him as the Lamb of God, thinking about him as the Passover Lamb of God, and, and wondering what it all meant, and, and then finally telling my wife that I thought I was becoming religious and that I could, no way I could go back to go to a church because I had always been taught that church, you walk in a church as a Jew, and they'll all turn to you and they'll point their finger at you and say, there he is, he killed our God, let's get him. So the church was out of the question. So I thought, well, I got to go back to the temple. And I went to the reformed temple, the most liberal. And I talked to the rabbi on the phone, actually. And I said to him, Rabbi, I've been reading what Moses wrote in the book of Exodus about the Passover. And he said, Moses, I don't believe there was a person actually named Moses. I knew immediately this was not the person who's going to help me. So I said, I'm sorry, I think I have the wrong number. And I hung up. And then I went to the other, the Orthodox and I listened to the rabbi's sermon, and afterward, I secretly got, got with the rabbi. I said, Rabbi, i just been wondering if maybe Jesus might have been the Messiah. And his response was nothing that surprised me. He said, that's the first time, that's the last time you'll ever say that name in this place again. And I wondered, what am I going to do? And so I went to the Sunday paper, and I saw that they were going to show a movie on Israel at a Baptist church. And I thought, how Semitic, anti-Semitic could that be? It's the Jewish homeland. So I came into the church, sat at the back of the room, very close to the door, so I could make a quick getaway. And as soon as the movie was over, and before I could get out, an old lady put her hand on my shoulder and said, you're Jewish, aren't you? And I thought, oh no, here it comes, the you killed our God routine. But no, she said, no, 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 relax. Our, our pastor's grandmother was Jewish. So I found myself meeting with the pastor. The pastor asked me the question, have you ever received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I told him, I said, I don't know what you're talking about, but he explained it to me. And so I said, how does one do that? And he said, you have to pray a prayer. This is totally your decision. And that prayer, you will tell God that you are a sinner. And I told him that that was no problem and that you hated your sin, and that you believe the record, the Bible record that said God became a man, he died for your sins, he paid for all your sins, he rose from the dead. And then he said the last part is that you swing open the door of your heart 
and you say, I want him to be my God, my Savior, my Lamb, you take him as your Lamb and your God. And I did that, and that was my decision. And immediately, all those thoughts of guilt and shame and defilement left. They have never come back. It's been 42 years. Memories, yes. Guilt and shame, no. And that came as the decision that I made on that time. And I look at that verse that we have been studying about today, where it said, And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And I thought to myself, September 1970, that was the time I called on my own will, on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to save me, a lost sinner, from my sins. And he did. And just as God honored the decisions that Adam made for every living creature, for the names, so God honored my decision to call on him to be saved, and so God will honor your decision to call on him to be saved. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as we finish with our Monday through Wednesday Genesis series this week. Now, do you have a Jewish friend or know of a Jewish person that needs to be reached with the gospel? Well, we can help you to do that by giving them a gospel gift of Tom Cantor's personal life testimony in a DVD or booklet form. So contact us today directly by phone at 1-800-247-3051. Once again, that's 1-800-247-3051. Many of us have a Jewish friend or coworker that we need to reach with the gospel, so call us today at one 800 You can also find more information about reaching Jewish people by going to israelrestoration.org. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow at this same time.